You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. On Locked and Loaded, we talk about guns and firearms and weapons and basically being locked and loaded, which is being prepared, being ready. So we're going to see. But today we've got to talk about a few things where people were not exactly as locked and loaded as they would have liked to have been. For instance, this one is interesting because <clears throat> there were seven people struck by bullets in a family-friendly dance in Texas. Seven people were hit with bullets. Now, you got to think, oh, my God, this is a mass shooting. Somebody went crazy and fired off bullets and started shooting everybody left and right. As it turns out, the seven people struck were struck by one bullet. Now, you're wondering, were they all lined up in a row? Did they, How did this happen? Well, apparently, somebody had pulled a gun out, apparently not meaning to fire it. Maybe it fell out of a holster. Maybe it was in his pocket and got loose or something. But he pulled the gun out of his pocket, ended up shooting somebody in the leg and the thigh. It hit the ground, fragmented into pieces, and hit six more people. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know if this is something that happens all the time, but apparently seven people were shot with one bullet. Pretty amazing. That's almost like a trick shot from the old, in the 1890s when they used to do trick shooting all the time. How about the uh, Kennedy assassination? Oh, when he got hit with seven bullets from one rifle? No, 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 no. The one bullet that hit the governor and uh, hit... Kennedy and hit the governor and... Oh, yeah, it, it uh, happens. Yeah. But seven people with one bullet? Come on. <laughs> That's pretty extraordinary. That's a heck of a ricochet effect, isn't it? Yeah, well, apparently the bullet hit the pavement, fragmented into pieces, and hit six other people. So the witnesses said a man pulled out a gun, fired one round, shooting a 30-year-old male in the thigh. The bullet passed through the victim's leg, hit the concrete floor, at which point it fragmented, hit four men between the ages of 26 and 30, and two women, aged 26 and 43, were struck by the, sh- by the shrapnel. Now, there were already 10 law enforcement officers and 15 security guards already on the scene at the time of the shooting. Apparently, this was a big dance, and they had a lot of security here. And... Uh, <laughs> Now, the sheriff said they applied tourniquets to w- wounded victims while emergency personnel responded. And he said, we're getting too much practice. This is not what they wanted at a family-friendly dance. Apparently, the suspect was taken into custody without incident. Uh, Mr. Jose Manuel Guerrero Reyes was taken into custody. Apparently, he said he apparently had the gun in his pocket, but right now he doesn't seem to match the evidence they've got. Apparently, it was obviously an accidental shooting. But still, just to say you got seven people with one bullet. I mean, I don't know if you should be proud or ashamed, but, you know, if he was fumbling around with it, if he pulled it out, he apparently did not know the first person he shot in the leg at all. So it was purely accidental. But still, fun to think that uh, one bullet, seven people. That sounds like something straight out of the movies. I don't even think the movies could make something like that up because everyone would think it wasn't real. But apparently it was. And speaking of the number seven, this is going to be a good one. This is probably the youngest victim of a red flag law. Apparently police at a school interrogate a seven-year-old after he was falsely accused of bringing a gun to school. That's right. A seven-year-old boy was interrogated by police officers without his parents present after he was falsely accused of bringing a gun to school. 
Yeah, I mean, granted, granted, if they heard it, they could go in, check his backpack. It's not there. You let him go. But they sat there and interrogated this guy before his parents were there. They checked his backpack. Apparently, he did have in his possession 20 Valentine's Day cards for friends at school. So, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's a crime or not, but apparently the police had to t- take a look and see what was in there. But apparently he was had a discussion with another student who had been bullying him, and then the bully student went to a teacher and falsely accused him of having a gun in his backpack. So the police immediately sprang into action. They did call his mother, apparently, who showed up. And by the time she got there, though, there were six sheriff department officers there, three squad cars when she arrived. And they didn't actually find anything other than the Valentine's cards, which, you know, maybe those constitute some sort of sexual harassment among seven-year-olds. I don't know. In my day, they didn't. But, you know, things have changed. So apparently, somebody accused this kid of having a gun, so they questioned him, pulled him aside, opened his backpack, checked everything, and his mom came and decided she had about had it. She's probably going to file charges because the accusation was false. Now, granted, they had to follow up. I understand that. You asked the kid, can I look in your backpack? He's seven. What's he going to say? No. Of course he's going to say yes to a police officer if he was brought up correctly and taught that police officers deserve respect. And once they saw there was nothing in there, they probably should have just held him till his mother arrived. And then if they wanted to question him further, they could have. But no, they began questioning right away without his mom there. Probably scared the crap out of this kid. But, you know, it's funny that he was innocent, though, and they took this much of a, a position on trying to engage a seven-year-old. <laughs> so apparently the number of the day is seven. Seven people with one bullet and seven-year-olds being falsely accused of bringing guns to school. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, just something to look out for. Like I say, I would I would almost consider this a red flag law violation. I mean, because you think about it, if the kid had been 15, they probably would have arrested him before even looking in his backpack. You know, or even seeing if he had a gun because somebody falsely accused him. Now, in this case, I think, or in any case where false accusations are made... I think the people who make the false accusations need to be held responsible. Now, granted, two seven-year-olds talking and one accuses the other of having a gun. The other one who made the accusation, he needs to be disciplined. This is not the kind of thing you just say lightly and expect to go away. Oops, sorry, I was just kidding. I was making a joke. That's not a joke, not something you joke about. It's like yelling fire in a movie theater. It's not funny. You don't do that. So we'll have to see. But this is the kind of thing that could happen when red flag laws are allowed to run rampant. You know, a seven-year-old can be detained for having Valentine's in his backpack. But it's not as crazy as you you might think because in Minneapolis, now this, I don't understand how this happened. Apparently, an incident broke out in May 2013. A 22-year-old burglary suspect fled from the police, broke into another residence in South Minneapolis. Five Minneapolis Police Department officers cornered him in the basement of a home, at which point Franklin allegedly snatched one of the officer's guns away. Police said the armed suspect then opened fire, hitting Officer Ricardo Muro and Officer Michael Meath. So he hit two police officers with his grabbed weapon, the weapon he took from a police officer. He shot two officers. Then, of course, they returned fire, killing him, which, you know, 
if you got five cops there and you only manage to shoot two of them, the other three are pretty much going to kill you. There's not going to be a choice. There's going to be no discussion at that point. There's going to be no negotiation. Once you start pulling the trigger, there's no talking at that point. However, even though the officers were found innocent of any wrongdoing, apparently his mother or family decided to file a wrongful death suit alleging that the officers lied about Franklin gaining control of the officers' weapons. Now I'm thinking, how did the policeman get shot if the bad guy didn't have a gun? She's saying that they shot each other. Yeah, I mean, even even a small city, which Minneapolis is, is not, would still have appropriate training for officers to know not to shoot each other by accident. But anyway, so what did they do? They sued for $2 million in compensatory and punitive damages. Now you think, okay, this lawsuit should be dismissed. This guy should be told, go away. Your son shot two police officers. He had just committed a burglary prior to that. This guy was no angel. It's not like he was, you know, the kid down the street who never did anything wrong was caught up with some other people who shouldn't have been, but... At this time in 2013, no, there were no body cameras. So it, it was just, they're saying that the officers used a racial slur against him prior to the shooting. Uh, and you know, and granted, I mean, the only people there were the officers and the guy who got shot. The guy who got shot can't say anything. Although I seriously doubt whether the officers shot each other. But anyway, so the city council voted to settle the wrongful death suit. Instead of dismissing it or making it go away or going to court, they decided to settle it and gave his family $795,000. So, Minneapolis, when your taxes go up, this is what it's going for. So make sure when you vote, make sure you vote out these city council members who decide to give give armed burglars and police and people who shoot police officers families $800,000 because, you know, hey – why not? It'd be a good sacrifice for some of these guys. They might just be willing to maybe get shot and not die and get their uh, families eight hundred thousand dollars. It just it just seems like this is going to open up a can of worms that's not going to be closed easily. Now everybody who gets shot by police officers is going to file a wrongful death suit or wrongful, you know, maiming suit or whatever it is. They're going to sue the police department for shooting their son, their brother, their father, for whatever reason, no matter if he already shot two police officers or not. That's the thing. If he hadn't shot anybody and they shot him and there was no other shots fired, you know, then it would be a little more suspect. Or if he didn't have a weapon, be a little more suspect. But, you know, this is just crazy. And it's not like this guy was completely innocent, okay? They were. He was on a crime spree, basically. He had stolen cars. He had broken into houses. He shot police officers. And finally, they stopped him. But now, they're just going to give his family money because they decided, you know what? You know, we don't want to have to deal with this, so we're just going to give him money. I don't know. This is what it's coming to. The criminals are able to sue in a case like this. The fact that a judge would even allow this to go forward. Is kind of shocking, although it did not go to court, which I wonder why the city council didn't push it to go to court, because at that point, you figure a jury would have said, oh, you know what? This is ridiculous. He shot two police officers. He stole a car. He burglarized some residences. This guy was not an, an upstanding citizen. He was not an ideal person for rehabilitation necessarily after he shot a couple of cops. But anyway... 
just something to consider. If you're going to go on a crime spree and shoot a couple cops, Minneapolis might be the place to do it if you want to help your family make a little retirement nest egg. Because apparently 800000 for shooting two cops, committing burglary, and stealing a car is what you get there. Now, I wonder if everybody in prison is going to start suing for wrongful incarceration. Wouldn't that be something? Yes, uh, I need my family to get a million dollars because I've been incarcerated for 10 years. Sure, why not? Just more crazy stuff going on in the world today. So be aware of that. Just because somebody shoots somebody doesn't mean (laughs) they're going to be accused of doing anything wrong. Speaking of being shot at, imagine getting in your, uh, your Uber... These guys are this uh, the Uber driver, Ahmad Ahmad, pulled a gun and started shooting at passengers who complained when he started when he was going the wrong way. <laughs> okay, he picked up two passengers from a bar just after midnight on February seventeenth. The passengers wanted to go from New Orleans to Kenner, which I don't know where I know where New Orleans is. I don't know where Kenner is. About fourteen miles away. He was driving across the Mississippi, heading toward the West Bank, when the passenger spoke up and told him he was going in the wrong direction. Kenner is northeast of New Orleans, but the Mississippi River runs south of New Orleans, just a little less than two miles south of Kenner, which is where they were going. So he stopped the car on the side of US-90 when his passenger started arguing with him about directions. Now, from when I've been in an Uber, you can actually watch him follow. You can look at his his phone has that app which tells him which way to go. <coughs> so I can't imagine if this guy was a successful Uber driver, he went the wrong way too often. But anyway, apparently he stopped. We're arguing about the passengers. Police said one of the passengers called another Uber driver to their location because they didn't like the way this guy was driving. And the other passenger called 911, according to the police. Now, this is funny because the second Uber driver arrived ahead of the police department. (laughs) So here he is expecting to get his fare. Sees these guys arguing with another driver. So the passengers got out of Ahmad's car and into the other vehicle. Then Ahmad opened the passenger side door of the other Uber, took the keys out of the ignition. He really wanted this fare, so he was not letting this other Uber driver take his fare. And then apparently the former passengers got into a physical altercation with Mr. Ahmed. The fight is escalated. Ahmed broke away, but instead of leaving, he returned to his vehicle, pulled out a handgun. Okay, we're going to come back in just a minute and tell you what happened with Ahmed and the Uber driver. You're listening to America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded, and I am Roger B. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association. We meet in Newtown Park, and part of one of our projects is the installation of the Healing Wall, the half-scale model of the Vietnam Wall that traveled the United States. Well, it's coming to rest, and it's going to live in Johns Creek forever, the half-scale model. We're looking at a possibly a March 
implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion on America's Web Radio? Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen... And anybody of any other gender, we are back. Just had to be all-inclusive. I don't want anybody to feel excluded here at uh, <clears throat> Locked and Loaded. I'm Roger B., and we're back to our story with Ahmed, the crazy Uber driver. Now, apparently, as I said before, the fight escalated. Ahmed broke away, but instead of leaving, returned to his vehicle, pulled out a handgun, and started open fire on the passengers from his car. The ones that got out and tried to get into the new Uber, he opened fire on them. The passengers ran away. Ahmed fled in his vehicle. Now, he was later arrested when he returned to the scene of the shooting. <laughs> so he came back. Maybe he was looking for his passengers. I don't know. But he was arrested when he returned to the scene of the shooting. He was booked into jail on charges of aggravated assault with a firearm, theft, and illegal use of weapons. So apparently Ahmed got in some trouble for this. But Ahmad, I mean... That's not a good business model. You know, I mean, you don't want to, if you disagree with your customers, start shooting at them is not a way to get repeat business. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work, at least from what I've seen. Now, maybe there are some countries or some places or some businesses that require you to shoot at people if they're customers and not behaving. And I know probably almost every waiter, every waitress is is thinking, shaking their head, going, you know what? I've got some customers I'd like to put a cap in now and again. But you don't do it because you know better. Well, this guy apparently did not know better. Apparently, he was going the wrong way. His his passengers got out, called another Uber to the scene, and then he started shooting at them. Now, it doesn't say anybody was hit or, or wounded, so that's good. At least Ahmad is not a great shot. So, But he got, he got punished. So he got caught. Yay. Because to have Uber drivers running around shooting people, probably not a good idea. May make you want to try Lyft instead? Yeah, it probably wouldn't make any difference. Well, we're getting into the political crazy season now. Everyone's coming out, promising everything, promising not to do other things. It's getting insane. And, of course, Democrats love to protest against guns. They hate guns. They hate the fact that people have a God-given right to defend themselves, and they don't want these people to have this right. So they want to fight guns on every possible corner. Now, there are some Republicans who fall into this uh, this rut as well. Any politician who doesn't want you to have a gun, but yet they work in a place protected by men with guns, you got to wonder, what are they planning on doing that you're going to want to shoot them for? 
You know, I just don't understand. But anyway, there were Democrats in Myrtle Beach protesting a gun show ahead of the South Carolina primary. And these these people were doing everything they could do to remind gun owners that the Second Amendment supporters are not welcome in their city. What they were trying to do is stop gun shows from taking place in their city. And it's like, you know, this is kind of crazy. We want extended background checks. We want a ban on assault rifles. First of all, an assault rifle is a made-up term by the media. It is a semi-automatic rifle. There is no way to distinguish an assault rifle from a non-assault rifle unless you use it to commit assault, in which case any rifle can be an assault rifle. I love the term when the well-read reporter (laughs) says a long rifle. As opposed to a short rifle. Yeah. Yeah, well, because he's an idiot. It, it was doesn't carrying it? a long rifle. My God, was it Daniel Boone? Yeah, who knows? Uh, yeah, yeah, because he's using ter- terminology that's 200 years old. But it's still, but even though it's terminology that's 200 years old, it still is a right that is defended in the Constitution. I love when these people come up and say, oh, the Founding Fathers never expected semi-automatic weapons and, and 30-round magazines and, and optical sights and all these crazy things. They go, well, yeah, do you think they expected the Internet? Do you think they expected radio and TV when they were writing about First Amendment rights? The rights have not changed. The rights remain the same. The technology changes, but the rights are still there. And before someone says, oh, I have the right to have a gun, it says so in the Constitution. Nope, the right was there before the Constitution was written. All the Constitution does is say the government cannot infringe on your already God-given right. It doesn't say you have the right. It says the right cannot be infringed upon by the government. So here, South Carolina, these... I hesitate to use the word idiots, but, you know, I can't think of anything else right now because I'm not trying too hard. But they were protesting the gun show in Myrtle Beach. They were there to attack the right to keep and bear arms. This is a right that is granted by our creator, the right to defend yourself against someone bigger, stronger, against somebody who would violate you, who would take things from you that were yours. Any reason that somebody may have to do you harm or cause you problems, you have a right to defend yourself against these people. And apparently, the Democrats in Myrtle Beach don't think this is the case, and they think, yeah, all these gun shows should be banned. We should not have guns, no assault weapons, no semi-automatic rifles. You know, my my thinking is all of those that, you know, they have their armed guards and all this, I think they should just give them a slingshot and a flat rock. That's right, and a flashlight. And a flashlight. A long flashlight. A long flashlight. A long flashlight. <laughs> you hit somebody over the head with it. Let's see Bloomberg go a couple days without armed security guards. He's the one who says people with guns are stupid. Mini Mike. Isn't that his name now? Mini Mike Mini Bloomberg? Mike. Mini Mike Bloomberg, yes. And farmers are stupid. Yes. I'd like to see him plow a field. Yeah, it's easy to plow your field with a pencil, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you're sitting behind a desk with a pencil, it's easy to plow a field. I forgot who said it. I think it was Eisenhower made some reference to that at some point. But anyway, so now... All the people in South Carolina, or a lot of the people who are, are people who are believe in Second Amendment rights, are now talking about setting up for public discussion a resolution that will make them make what's in Horry County, H O R R Y County, a Second Amendment sanctuary county. 
Great. So you know what? You protest, we turn around, protest the other way, and it's going to go back and forth when the right is already there. If you want to rewrite the Constitution, that's fine. Then you need to rewrite it, take out the ones you don't like, and see if you can get all the states to vote on it. Just like they did when they founded the country. Everybody agreed these rights were the ones that were to be protected and not infringed upon by the government. If you want to change that, it's going to take an act of the people, an act of Congress. It's going to take a lot to change the Constitution. It's worked for over 200 years. Let's hope it continues to work. Although, I find it interesting that the same people who want to take guns away also want to ignore immigration laws, ignore drug laws, and allow drugs to be legal and immigration to flow freely across the borders. It'd be great if it flowed both ways across the borders. That would be, you know, that would be interesting. See how many people could go back to Mexico or people would go to Mexico and start a life there. they got some beautiful beaches there. I wouldn't mind going there and claiming a little beachfront property and uh, starting something over there if I had a way to defend it because, you know, the cartels will take it if they want it. So you'd have to avoid that. But anyway, Democrats in Myrtle Beach protesting a gun show ahead of the primaries. They're just showing that they do not believe in your right to have a weapon. And it kills me with these people who um, who live under th- the security of an armed guard or armed guards 24-7, and they're telling ordinary people that they don't need one. But yet they do. It's such it's an elitist. They're trying to be monarchs. They're trying to be kings. They believe they're more important. Their their families, their children are more important than yours. You don't need to defend your family. That's what the police are for. But my family is more important. I need people with extra guns around my family. Yeah, well I don't think so. Hopefully that will never come to pass in this country, at least while I'm still around. Because I would hate for that to happen. Now, there are certain guns that people cannot have. We understand there are limits. You know, there are certain things that you need special permits, federal permission. Like, for instance, if you were to own a Dillon minigun, that would require special licensing, a tax stamp. But then if you had one, you could fire 3,000 to 6,000 rounds per minute. Unless... You happen to be in the market for a new minigun, because now Dylan is bringing out the Aero 503D, the 50 caliber Gatling minigun that fires 1,500 rounds per minute. Imagine that, a three-barrel Gatling gun running 25 rounds per second of 50 caliber ammunition. Woohoo! <laughs> if you've seen a 30 caliber fire, then you know what this 50 caliber must be capable of. This thing is probably unbelievable. And uh, it weighs 84 pounds, which is not bad for a 50 caliber, three-barreled, fully automatic rotating machine gun, you know. 1,500 rounds per minute. The ammo would be heavier than the 84 pounds, I'm pretty sure, very quickly. 1,500 rounds of 50 cal. I should have figured that out ahead of time. That's going to be way more than 84 pounds. But it says the updated gun gives operators the ability to adjust the precise rate, firing rate, based on the platform integration, optimizing the mission performance, blah, blah, blah. So it's an adjustable rate of fire. Just like this standard minigun that goes from 3,000 to 6,000, this one's will go up to 1,500 rounds per minute, 25 rounds per second. I think that is just absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see this thing in action. That would is be that awesome. loaded? Uh, yeah, it runs on links, I believe. Yeah, it runs on links through a track, and they run the bullets in through, and it, it spins those barrels, electrically spins the barrels, and fires 25 rounds per second. So that's something to be considered. Ooh, that would scare somebody breaking into your house, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> I would think just the sight of that would be like, <gasps> oops. <laughs> oh, knocked on the wrong door. I'm just selling cookies. That's all I'm doing. I'm leaving now, though, because I do not want you to just fire that thing up. Oh, my goodness. That's in case you have burglars in your neighbor's house in the next neighborhood hiding behind a refrigerator. <laughs> Take him out with the new fifty caliber. Hmm. All right, but that's something I look forward to seeing more of in the future. We'll see. But Dylan, known for the minigun, and if you've known the minigun, you know what it can do, especially because you see it in movies all the time. It's great. But what about guns that are less restricted? Obviously, the minigun, you're going to need tax stamp. You're going to need a special federal background check, Class three licensing. But we'll talk about guns that don't need any licensing when we come back from this break. This is America's Web Radio. I'm Roger B., and you're listening to Locked and Loaded. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back. <clears throat> Just before we left for the break, we were talking about the Dillon Arrow 50, the 50 caliber, three-barreled minigun, which obviously requires all kinds of special permits, and you probably can't own unless you're a dealer, blah, blah, blah. Now we're going to talk about guns that you need no permit for. You're going, oh, my gosh, how can this possibly be? Roger, what's going on? How do people get guns with no permits? Well, you can actually manufacture one yourself. Yes, you can. Until recently, manufacturing a gun required all kinds of machine work and lathes and possibly expensive CNC machines. But now, apparently, with the advent of 3D printing, almost anybody can make their own gun. Or you can buy guns that are 80% complete and finish them yourself with plastic milling and uh, 
with the advent of, you know, the Glocks and AR-15 lowers that are done in a polymer. It's so much easier to finish one of these and put it together. Now, why would you want this? More just for the sake of being able to say you did it yourself, I guess. And because Americans have always had this right. Back in the day, guns were all made individually, by hand, one at a time, by master craftsmen for their customers. You know, sometimes they'd make several of them and sell them off, but a lot of times, especially with the rifles, they were made specifically for customers one at a time. But now, if you have a few hundred dollars, you can buy a 3D printer and start manufacturing the parts of the gun that you cannot buy. You can probably manufacture an AR-15 lower. You can manufacture a, a pistol lower. There's even a gentleman who built, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago, a 12-gauge pump-action revolver-style 12-gauge shotgun. Now, this was made all from parts he got from Home Depot or online. I think he got it from Amazon or Home Depot, metal parts, and all the plastic parts he made with his 3D printer. And it was a pump action, had a zigzag pattern on the cylinder, so as he pumped it, it would go back, and then as it went forth, it would drag the cylinder forward one more round. It would push it over and pull it back to where each cylinder would revolve in place, and he built a firing pin out of some metal parts, springs, plungers, and put it all together. And his list is online. If you're interested in building this weapon, I believe he has the parts list, the metal parts list online. And I don't know about the files for the for the rest of it, but this is driving people who are, I guess, gun-restrictive nuts because now they're saying, oh, any criminal can make a gun. It's like they always could, and they always have. I mean, you know, there have been zip guns since the, the beginning of uh, shelled cartridges. Even before that, you could build a black powder gun without too much trouble with parts from the local hardware store, Home Depot, Lowe's. I don't want to leave Lowe's out because I said Home Depot three times, so any hardware store. I'm not just saying only Home Depot supports building your own gun. Any hardware store can build your own gun, whether it be an Ace or whatever. But you can look at lists. There are people who have already done it, so you can copy what they've done. And, of course, the gun nuts are going crazy. They circumvent existing policies. They're considered ghost guns. If you've seen the idiot with the ghost guns and the thirty caliber clips and all, he mixed up every term he could think of, made himself sound like a complete utter moron 30 rounds in one in half a second i'm going oh my god 30 rounds in half a second even the dylan 50 minigun only fires 25 rounds in one second (laughs) what office is he running for oh he was actually a sitting uh congressman or senator in california oh i forget his name uh, if if you look him up you can put ghost gun video and it'll probably come up with this guy holding a AR pistol of some sort going on about thirty caliber clips and ghost guns and I thought it was Feinstein that did all that. Oh no, Feinstein actually has a carry permit, believe it or not, but she doesn't want you to have one because oh. she's special. She's a queen. She's monarchy. She's royalty, and the rest of us peasants don't need to defend ourselves. Yeah, Feinstein. She's another one of those elitist idiots. Boxer. That was the one I was thinking about. Not Feinstein. Maybe she Boxer could be another moron. Yeah, from California. She was the one that was, you know, knew all about AR-15s and didn't know didn't where the know trigger Jack was. Yeah. Or Sam or Phil or any yeah, of those yeah. other guys who knew how to right. make. Or, you know, Sam especially. He made a lot of Or John, John Browning, mm-hmm. Sam Cole. <laughs> yeah, all those guys. She didn't know anything about any of those guys. Yes, but now with 3D printed guns, anybody can make their own weapon. And it's getting easier and easier. 
And the files are, once the files get out there, there's no stopping them. You can try and limit exposure by stopping the companies from releasing them, but they can leak them anywhere. I mean, and once they're out, shared electronic files can go so fast. They could literally go viral and go all over the place in no time flat. And as 3D printers become more and more common and more and more easy to use, this technology is going to point out that gun control laws are useless. You can't control something completely like that, just like with drugs. You can grow drugs in your backyard. You can't control that. People can do that, and they will continue to do it. Well, look how well prohibition worked. Yeah, it didn't. It just drove the prices up. (laughs) So basically, gun control would do the same thing. It would drive the prices up. But with 3D printers, you can start making them yourself. You don't need any kind of permits. Now, there are rules that apply. Now, if you're a law-abiding citizen, like I hope most everybody is who's listening, you're allowed to build a gun as long as it doesn't violate what they call NFA laws, which is the natural uh, national firearms, something I can't remember. Class 3 weapons cannot be built for your possession without getting a stamp or permit first. Now, I believe you can build one, but you must get a, a, a permit, but it has to be based on a frame that was manufactured before 1986. That's another law they pushed in place to limit fully automatic weapons. By nothing manufactured be, after 1986 would be allowed to be in the possession of citizens unless you are a dealer with a Class 3 dealer's license. So, no, you can't just 3D print your own machine gun. You can make any gun that is legal for a regular citizen in good standing to own, you can essentially make with a 3D printer or manufacture yourself if you have the skills. If you have a CNC machine, you can pretty make pretty much make whatever kind of gun you want. There are guys who build 50 caliber rifles. There are guys who build 20 millimeter rifles. I mean, they're out there. Now, granted, you know, it's it takes a lot of skill to build something very big, very heavy. It requires a lot of machining. Semi-automatic stuff is more difficult because of timing and parts have to be fitted exactly right. But with the advent of computers and computer-run CNCs and 3D printed parts, all these guns are so much easier to manufacture if you decide you want to. But with the laws in place now, you can buy almost any part for the weapon except for the receiver, the frame, whatever you want to call it. There is one part of every weapon that is called the gun. The gun is the one part. That one part has to have a serial number on it if it is sold through regular channels or if you're a legal manufacturer. Now, if you're making your own gun, you don't need a serial number. Unless you ever decide to sell it, then you must register it with a serial number in order to let it go. If you keep it for your own use, there is no need for any serial numbers on your own manufactured weapons. So, you know, that's something to consider. But by all means, follow the law, and states have different laws based on what they allow and what they don't allow. See, now that's something that's tricky. If you're manufacturing your own 30-round magazines in a state that only allows 10-round magazines... Would they be legal since there's no way to actually date them unless they can prove they were made with a 3D printer, which didn't exist before 1994? Well, may have existed, but not in the form we know today. So that's something to consider. 3D printed guns are out there. They're, they're, they're going to get easier and easier to get, and they're going to become better and better quality. Soon you're going to be able to make everything you want weapon-wise for a 3D printer. There are guys who are manufacturing actual projectiles for 12-gauge shotguns on their 3D printer. 
Now, when they were test firing them, they were actually too light to actually fly straight and work properly. But that technology is coming. Before you know, you're going to be able to put lead wire in one and manufacture a projectile any shape you want with a similar technology. But now, and there was, okay, one more quick story I want to get into because I don't know any of you have been following the XM, XM25 super gun. This was a gun that had projectiles that could be programmed to explode at precise I guess intervals or places, you could program it to explode in exactly 30 yards or 50 yards. So basically, you could fire it into a window, have it explode, and kill everybody hiding behind the walls in a room. This was a really cool weapon. They'd been doing it since 2013, trying to build this system, and uh, apparently it works. However, it was getting very expensive, and the Army has decided to drop it. It is still out there. It is functional. It's a 25-millimeter grenade launcher that fires programmable grenades. So they can be programmed to fly inside a doorway and just explode. They can go through windows, into bunkers, explode above foxholes and trenches. So basically, these give you an advantage that almost no other gun can because most other guns, you need to have direct line of sight to be able to hit an enemy here if you know where they are and they have open air around them and you can fire into that open air you can get to your enemy like that but the biggest thing was the exploding cost just got to be too much they're originally supposed to cost forty one thousand dollars they ended up being about ninety three thousand dollars by the time they were done and the army just decided that they weren't they weren't quite worth the money. They had an issue when one of them tried to load two grenades at once. It didn't function properly, and a soldier was injured. And they decided that for $93,000, that's $90,000 more than a tricked-out M4A1, the standard M4 carbine that the soldiers are using now. So they terminated the contract, but the weapon still exists, and it's out there. So I don't know. Maybe they'll revive it later. Maybe something will happen to bring it back. We don't know, but... It was really it was really neat. I've seen videos on it. And the the use is amazing. If they can bring the cost down to a reasonable amount with the programmable grenades, that could be the wave of the future. But until then, let's talk about everybody else's future. Now, you know, the term locked and loaded, generally people assign that to to guns. You got your gun loaded, you got it locked, but it also means to be prepared. And we're going to come back in a minute and talk about how prepared are you. This is Locked and Loaded. I am Roger B., and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everybody. We're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Just before we left, we were talking about locked and loaded, being prepared, being ready. When you And it doesn't necessarily always apply to guns. I mean, a lot of people with guns, you know, they're locked and loaded means it's in the ready position, and on the it's it's in loaded ready position, but on on the safe. It's got the safe on. It's locked, but you're ready to go. But you can be locked and loaded for anything. You can be locked and loaded for a road trip. Let's road trip. Okay, I'm locked and loaded. Let's go. Means you're packed. You have everything prepared. You're ready to go. And today I want to talk a little bit about stuff that's a little outside the realm of firearms necessarily. About being locked and loaded, being prepared for other situations. Now, this was a big thing back in the uh, early 2000s, mid-2000s, where uh, preppers were a big thing. Everybody was prepping for everything. Everything was, you know, the end of the world was coming. And they even had a, a popular TV show about it. Now, I've talked about it before, how you have to be prepared. Prepare by having training, having equipment, having ammunition. Be ready as far as your guns go. But what about... Being your own first responder in a different situation, not only for guns, it's something other than an armed threat. How are you going to protect your family, your friends, yourself from these things? Now, I know by now everyone's heard of the coronavirus, served best with a side of Lyme disease. But anyway, the coronavirus is wrecking havoc on industries and the stock market and possibly supply chains of goods. In case you haven't seen, the stock market was down another 850 points today so far. It was down over 1,000 points yesterday. Now, for a lot of people, this doesn't mean anything right now because your retirement fund is probably sitting there. And if you have a smart money manager, he's buying up everything he can buy right now in anticipation of things going back up once this gets under control, assuming it does. But I keep seeing more and more articles how it's been underplayed, it's not being reported accurately, and we may end up having problems getting things into stores. Now, that's something where you have to realize, how prepared are you? Do you have things to survive for a week? Do you have things to survive for a month? Could you go three, six months, a year? Would you have enough for your family and your loved ones and yourself to survive for that amount of time? Or could you have access to things that could get you by? 
you know, in situations like that, a gun isn't always going to be the best thing because you can't farm with a gun. Of course, if you can't defend what you do farm, then having the gun, then having the plow makes no difference if you can't defend it once you farm it. But what about, you know, things like this? You're going to need a good knife. You know, sometimes that could be more valuable. If you're by yourself, a good knife could be more valuable than a gun in that case. Because if nobody's trying to take anything away from you and you just need to survive, make shelter, you know, cut trees, cut, you know, cut things, prepare game that you do catch or kill, a knife could be more valuable than having a gun. But, you know, there's lots of things you have to consider. Now, right now, I have to be honest, I don't know how big of a threat this virus is. I don't think anybody really knows. They may contain it in a matter of weeks once, it, if it does come to this country. They may go to China and help them contain it. But I don't know how much damage it can cause to life, to economics in the near future. But let's just say for a second, let's hypothesize and say supply chains start breaking down. Goods become scarce. Where are you going to get things to supply your family with? Do you have food set aside? Do you have extra food? Can you go a couple weeks? Can you go a couple months? Just think about something like that. And it's not just food. A lot of hunters I know are going to say, I'm going to go out and hunt my game. Yeah, well, so is every other person with a gun is going to fancy themselves a hunter, and they're going to go out after the 12 deer in the neighborhood. You're going to have 600 people out there trying to shoot the same 12 deer. And a lot of these guys are going to be untrained, inexperienced hunters shooting at anything that moves. It'll probably be the most dangerous time in the world to hunt because you're going to have everybody thinking they can just go hunt squirrels or rabbits or birds or deer or whatever is happening to be running around out there thinking they can fill their pot. And, and how many people know how to clean a deer? Right. And that's assuming they even do could or could look it up or just chop pieces off of it and start eating it. I mean, they wouldn't even have to necessarily clean it, but... If these people are untrained or inexperienced, they're going to be shooting at anything. So that's going to be something that will last for maybe two weeks, and then all the game will probably be torn up, especially if you live in a city or near a city or suburb. There's going to be nothing to shoot at. So we'll have to see. But then what about other things? You mean, what if your family, what if somebody in your family needs a machine to continue to be healthy? What if you need a respirator or you need an oxygen generator? Do you have a source of power to run these, either solar panels or a generator with some sort of fuel to make it run? Do you have medications for yourself or your family members that you have to take every day or every week? Do you have a long enough supply of these to last a few months? What about your dog? What about your pets? Do they have their medication for 6 or 8 or 12 months to keep them from getting sick? Do you have food for your dog? Do you know what foods dogs cannot eat, what people foods are out there that dogs are not supposed to eat? Now, I'm not trying to scare anyone. I just want people to think about the scenario and maybe be an extra uh, extra prepared for possible problems. Now, so a lot of preppers take the isolationist approach, thinking, I'm going to take care of me, I'm going to take care of mine, I'm going to take care of my own family. But the absolute best way to remain prepared is to use a community or neighborhood. If everybody contributes or has something they can help with or some skill they can donate to your group, your group stands a much better chance of surviving longer if you work together with people instead of separating everybody out and individual families fighting it out. But you have to be aware some families are not going to want to be part of this. They're not going to see the danger until it's too late. Because let me tell you something. Once the groceries store shelves start to run dry, it's too late to start prepping at that point. There's nothing to be done at that point. But the term prepper, like I said, was popular about 12 to 15 years ago because everyone thought there was going to be some chaotic breakdown and the government was going to, you know, 
over try and take everybody over or, or people are going to try and overturn the government and they had a TV show and it, the TV show was interesting because they had different scenarios that people would quote unquote prep for and it was, you know, anything from a super volcano to an EMP to zombies or whatever it was. Everybody had a different scenario they were preparing for. Now, one thing that you learn from that is if the shelves are empty, it's too late to start prepping. You're you're done for. You have to prepare before that. And you don't have to go out and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. Start small, like buy one or two extra boxes of ammo a month. Get a few extra canned goods at the grocery, you know, every week. Pick up a few extra things when you can. It's relatively inexpensive. You spend an extra dollar or two, you get a few extra cans. But make sure it's stuff that you're going to use. Don't buy stuff that's going to be specifically for emergency use only. Because then if nothing happens, you're stuck with the stuff you're not going to use. Also, consider non-perishable goods. Get lots of extra toilet paper. Get lots of extra paper towels. Those are the kind of things that you may be able to trade later for something that you do need. Because try and go without toilet paper for a couple of days. That's going to be really unpleasant. And that's something that people will put value on that you will not see until you don't have any. It's one of those things, better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. And it's not like it's ever going to expire. You can keep six cases of toilet paper in the basement and they're not going to go bad. They'll still be there. Now, I know stores can be a problem if you live in a small space, but, you know, get stuff you normally use, a few extra cans a week, find a place to store it where it'll be safe, especially if it's non-perishable. You know, canned goods or um, paper goods or even freeze-dried stuff. If you want to spend a little extra money, get freeze-dried stuff because it is probably one of the exceptions in survival foods. It will last 20 to 30 years. That's assuming you have a fresh water source to rehydrate and prepare everything with. Now, the MREs, while very tasty and convenient, usually last for five to seven years with as long as maybe 10 to 12 years under ideal conditions with proper storage. But it's unlikely you're ever going to use an MRE unless there's an emergency situation. It's not like you're going to sit down and go, okay, folks, we're going to sit down for a a family meal of MREs tonight. Everybody pick your favorite. Let's eat these because these are going to expire next year. So we're going to start eating these up. It's the kind of thing where if you buy stuff you normally use and you just rotate your stock but keep a few extra cans, keep the cupboard full. Don't let it get empty. And this is something you may want to start looking at now. I mean, chances are this is not going to come to anything, we hope. But every day I see more and more stories where this may become a bigger issue than we thought. This might be something where people are going to be caught off guard. Stores are going to be running empty because especially things coming from China are going to stop coming in. And a lot of these things are everyday things that we need or that we have. Now, granted, we can make them here, but we're going to have to gear up for that, and it's going to take time. And during that time of gearing up to make them here or get them from some alternative source, there's going to be a lag. There's going to be times you will not be able to get certain things that we rely on China for. Some of these are food products. Some of these are non-perishable goods. Some are just everyday things like coffee filters. You know, or or coffee K-cups or whatever they happen to be. There's going to be things that you're not going to be able to get that are coming from China. So be aware of this. And like I say, if you have the means, the, the ability, the place to store a few extra things, it wouldn't be a bad idea to pick up a few extra things at the grocery store. Get an extra case or two of water for five bucks. Keep it there just in case. Buy a way to store some water in case you need it. If you have a rain barrel or something, that would be something to use outdoors to grow a garden if you needed to grow food 
or learn how to grow food. I myself am not much of a gardener. I've done a few things here and there, but most of it's if I can fertilize and water it, that's about all I know. Beyond that, keep the rabbits from eating it. That would be the hardest part. Now, then, of course, there's also defending what you have stored. If you have prepared, if you have extra food, extra non-perishables, if you have a way to grow food, if you have animals that you're raising, such as goats or fish or whatever you have that you're raising to eat, then you have to be prepared for a possible emergency situation. That's where the guns and ammo and training come in. You have to be prepared to make sure your family is not the one that's going to be without, if you, especially if you've taken the time to prepare for everything. So be aware of this. Read, keep, a, keep abreast of the new situation. Follow the stories. And if you see things starting to change a little bit or, or you see things starting to run out on the shelves, hopefully it's not too late to start stocking up a few things. And if you buy stuff you use, You'll always be in good shape because it's going to cost you a little more on the outset, but you end up using it later. If the threat or the problem dissipates and goes away or gets solved, then you have a few extra cans. You don't have to shop the next week as much. So just something to consider. Always be aware. Be locked and loaded for any situation, not just for guns and ammo, firearms. Be prepared for anything. Be locked and loaded to have enough food. Be locked and loaded to have medicines. If you need contact lenses or glasses, have a spare pair made now. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Have a couple of backpacks ready in case you need to leave the place you're in. If you're living in a big city, they may ask you to evacuate if it becomes a hotbed for a pandemic. If you live out in the country, you want to make sure that you've got your neighbor's nearby and you work together or even in cities if you have neighborhoods that will work together you can grow a lot more together if you have various people working on things like that run a rooftop garden have everybody involved take care of growing it working with it and eventually guarding it if you have to okay keep that in mind stay vigilant stay aware and stay locked and loaded until next time this is roger b this is locked and loaded and you're listening to america's web radio You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.